Hi everybody and welcome back to God Guns and Prep and uh, I, I apologize if our sound quality is not the best today. Our headsets for whatever reason came up missing so I gotta find those or get new ones or whatever uh, but next time we'll be back to our normal good quality or the better-ish quality I guess. Um, I'm here with your co-host James today. Hey what's up? And uh, today we're gonna be talking about I just recently purchased a 300 Oh my goodness, I am tired. <laughs> a 308 Savage. Not a 300 Blackout. I am losing my mind, man. Okay, so uh, we're going we're gonna to start getting into this a little bit. And uh, <laughs> my 308 Savage um, that I just purchased. I purchased it from a pawn shop, actually. AAA in Provo. Um, they're good for quite a few things. Um... Their ammo prices right now in the ammo shortage is just like everybody else's, though. It's it's up there. If you're looking for a good deal on ammo, you're not going to find one. Unless you go to an actual store and they end up having it. Um, now, my 308 Savage that I bought from them, I actually enjoy it a lot. Uh, it's got a synthetic stock normal length barrel it's not threaded unfortunately uh, I think I might do that in the future because why not you know maybe put a suppressor on it for fun who knows um, but yeah maybe put a suppressor on it you know for fun because why not um, it's got a okay scope on it. it is not my scope of choice it's a Weasler I think is what it's called or a Weaver or something like that it's a lower brand, still expensive, but lower brand scope. Um, my personal opinion, I love Vortex scopes. They, you can just see a lot clearer through them um, than any other scope, in my opinion. Now, I gotta tell you this funny range story about when I was shooting it for the first time, zeroing in the scope. So I hadn't shot a 308 since James here owned an FNFAL 308. And uh, so I'm getting ready to shoot this bolt action. Now something different between bolt actions and semi-autos is that semi-autos take more of the recoil away. As well as on the FNFAL, he had dialed in the gas to where it didn't give as much recoil. Because you can do that. It's got this little adjuster knob that you click around. Um... I was not expecting, for whatever reason, this to have so much kick and power to it for a 308. Because, again, I hadn't shot one since the semi-auto FNFAL. And the FNFAL also has a lot more weight than my hunting 308 Savage bolt-action rifle does. Um, so I shoot it, and this gun goes way up in the air. I was not expecting this. And my grandpa's in the background, he's kind of laughing a little bit, you know, trying to contain it, make me not look stupid. <laughs> but I was being stupid. <laughs> I mean, I had a decent grip on it, but I just, for whatever reason, I, I, I wasn't like, how would you put that, like stanced? I wasn't like prepared, I guess. You know? You weren't in a shooter stance? I mean, I was, I was on the bench shooting it, but I wasn't... But you didn't have a hold of it. Yeah, I didn't have a hold of it the best I could have. So... Uh, that was kind of interesting for me. And when I... So I started shooting it more and more. 
after that I had expected it, you know. I also had my hat on forwards while aiming through a scope. I don't know if any of you have uh, had the scope hit your hat and your hat fly off. But uh, I have, you know. I only make that mistake once. Didn't end up hurting me or anything. I was fine. Because it didn't hit me. It hit my hat. My hat brim. And uh, the range master was kind of... You know, you could see him peeking over after that, checking on me. So, um, and then I was shooting a box to zero in the scope. Now, I'd never zeroed in a scope before, and my grandpa was more, he, he had many times before, but he wasn't really focused on me zeroing in my scope. My younger sister Ashley was there with us at the range that day, and he was more just trying to keep her shooting and having fun and learning because she hadn't gone much at all since she was young um so oh, I got all but four rounds out of that box when I couldn't get the bolt to go backwards I couldn't get the cement casing out me and my grandpa were sitting there trying to figure out this jam why won't the bolt go backwards it should there's no reason it shouldn't. Now, I had bought this thinking it was brand new. Because it still had all the tags and stickers and everything on it. It wasn't. It was very clear when we looked at the casing once we got it out. It was very dirty. <clears throat> it had been shot before. Now... Me and my grandpa are sitting there, and we got big hands, and we're pretty tough guys. We're sitting there smacking this bolt back with all our force, trying to get it to go back. At the range, it wouldn't have it, so I had to, you know, tell the range master, hey, I've got a spent casing in this gun. The bolt won't go backwards. I can't eject it or show you that it's clear, but I have to put it away in my case because it's, it will no longer shoot. And he tried and tried and couldn't get it out, and... So finally he's like, yeah, just put it back in your case, just make sure your safety's on, and don't let anybody go near it. And I was like, okay, cool. So I put it back in my case, and we finish out the shooting day, and we go back to my grandpa's house. He's got this little rubber face mallet while we're sitting there cleaning guns. So I take it, and I barely tap on the damn thing, and it flies back, and the shell goes flying across the room. Almost hit my grandma in the eye. <laughs> Scared me a little. <laughs> no, I didn't almost hit her in the eye, but... <laughs> it almost it flew. No, it didn't. Oh. It was just a joke. Anyhow, it, it flew pretty far, though. It was kind of like, wow, where'd that go? Um, and so we, I went over, grabbed the casing, and me and my grandpa were comparing that casing to the other ones I'd shot. The only difference we could find, because the casing looked fine, was that there's this nice, thick, black band around it. Well, that gives us two knowings what happened. One, there was so much grime in there that the casing wouldn't let go. Two, it had been shot before I had shot it. Because one box, yeah, it's going to dirty that thing up, but not like that. That's like two, three boxes worth at least, you know. Um, so I took it all apart. I cleaned it out really good. And 
My grandpa had read up a little bit and thought that 762 by 51 was the exact same thing pretty much as the 308. We weren't sure. So he started doing some research on it. I did a ton of research on it because he bought me like three boxes of this 762 by 51 to shoot out of it. But I hadn't shot because I was scared because I wasn't sure yet. <laughs> uh, and, you know, after a while of researching, I just figured out it's okay to shoot through a 308, but not the other way around. You can't shoot 308 through a 762 by 51. I mean, I guess technically you could, but there's added pressure to the 308 casing versus the 762 by 51. So, uh, there we will be doing a YouTube video here soon, actually. I'm kind of kicking that into gear soon um, of me shooting 762 by 51 out of my 308. And uh, James will be there, hopefully. And we'll be out at Pelicans Point doing some long-range shooting. I have a live video. It's like maybe 30, 40 seconds on Facebook right now. Um, sorry I didn't get all the pictures out. It was just kind of a crazy day trying to keep everybody from flagging everybody because we had some we had some experienced younger shooters and one shooter my age that wasn't so experienced anyhow and uh so it was interesting uh my friend joey mag dumped the ar9 or the ar9 millimeter and that was interesting to watch him like kind of piss himself over it he had a blast it was great <coughs> um Another thing that I want to talk about today that I think is a good idea to have when you go shooting, whether at an indoor range, an outdoor range, wherever you may want to go. When I got to my grandpa's house, he had put together this little gun toolkit for his guns. I thought, man, that's such a smart idea. Why doesn't everybody make one of those that's portable for their guns to take with them shooting? And, uh, so I went to Harbor Freight that day with my wife. She has to approve what I can and cannot buy. You know, women. So I, I bought this, uh, this $12 case. It looks like an ammo crate. You know, like one of those ammo boxes that you carry around. It's bigger, and it has a tray in the top. Now, in this top tray here, I have three of these hex key kind of clusters, I don't know how you explain it, tools. It's got all of them on one little thing that flips out. And I've got three of those, metric, standard, and the star key. And then I've got also in here, now this is just the beginning of me putting together this kit, so it doesn't have a lot in there. I've got a four-piece pick set in there. Picks, I can think of multiple occasions where picks probably would have came in handy out on the range. Um... Or even a pair of pliers, like, <laughs> you know. And then I bought a rubber-faced mallet hammer. Um, small one to go in the kit. That's all I've got right now, but th those things can all be handy, and you need to make sure that when you go shooting, if you have an extreme malfunction or <clears throat> some reason you have to take your gun apart there, uh, you know, and your gun requires tools, you should probably have those tools with you or something to suffice that tool because for one 
what if it's your favorite gun? You know, you you wanted to shoot it more, but now you have to, to you know put that on hold till the next range day and go home and take it all apart and figure it out. And you can't even shoot it afterwards to make sure you fixed whatever the problem was, or even maybe it was a major thing, major malfunction. You, I mean, people spend a lot on their guns. You know, me personally, when my gun has a what I think is a fairly serious malfunction, I get worried because I pay a lot for my guns. I yeah, I pay a lot of money for my guns, whether it's a cheap gun or not. I pay the, a lot of money for that in a sense. Here's the thing: what's a lot of money to me might not be a lot of money to you on a gun. I think twenty dollars on a gun even is a lot of money to me. I'm different. James over here is like, I got a thousand dollar gun. What are you talking about? And I've got a hundred dollar shotgun. But if something happens with that, I'm still going to be super worried because in my mind, I spent a lot of money on that. So, I mean, I want to know what's going on with that. I want to know why it's malfunctioning. I want to know how serious this is, how easy it is to fix. So I'd like to be able to take it apart at the range. James? Do you have any thoughts on this? Um, <clears throat> let's see. I think that I think everything that you said is uh, correct. It's like you know, it's like yes, I have some somewhat expensive guns. I guess they're you know I, I think they're normal price, but I'm a weirdo too, so. I mean, if I could, if I could spend three grand, I want to buy a three thousand dollar gun. It's a, uh, it's a nine millimeter hand crank Gatling gun. Three grand. That, that would be pretty cool, yeah. Yeah. Is that a lot of money? Yeah. Is a thousand dollars a lot of money? It depends. Yes, it is, but you know, I look at it as if I buy it once. And I spend the money, I'm only going to have to buy it once. I'm able to find, but I've found some really good guns that are, I'm a weirdo because I can find $2,000 guns for like $400? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure everybody listening to this hates you right now. I'm sorry, but it's true. Okay, James will come home with a thousand rounds. Of whatever ridiculously expensive round there is right now. I'll be like, oh, how much you pay for that? And he's like, oh, you know, like a third of the cost it usually is. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and he'll just kind of chuckle about it. I'm like, no, seriously, man. Like, you got to get me in on some of these deals. Because I'm going broke ammo-wise. And see, in my mind, I don't, I don't think of it that way. I'm like, oh... Okay, because I'm not, I guess I, I think differently. I'm like, I see, I go to places where I can get good deals, and I know a lot of people, a lot of people. And I can get good deals from people that I know that I can't necessarily get good deals for, for you, because I, you know, they're like, yes, we love you. Here. I'm like, oh, but I have a friend. We don't love your friend. We love you. <laughs> My God. A lot of the gun community that James knows now know me. 
fairly well and they help me out a lot too not as much as they'll help James out necessarily but they're still they're still like all right he's up and coming in this gun community in this gun world here and he's just kind of a kid in our eyes because he's younger you know he doesn't make as much as we do or whatever or hasn't been well, into it as long as we have I don't make any now <laughs> and so they bring me in on some deals or they'll try to help me out with something and sometimes it works out really great for me sometimes it's it doesn't um we know a gunsmith he's an awesome guy and i have this 12 gauge shotgun it's tactical it's got the pistol grip at the rear and it, it was having an issue and i brought it to him and asked him if he could fix it he said he'll look at it you know because there's never a guarantee if you can fix something or not gun wise he looked at it and he said that everything he could find was in spec except for this one piece that he had filed down a little bit and it was still having the issue afterwards so I mean like I said sometimes it works out great for me sometimes it doesn't I, I mean didn't pay anything for him to do that though no no which is awesome and I was and very so, appreciative you know I mean most gunsmiths they'll charge you sixty dollars to just look at it oh yeah definitely so and uh I mean, so, I mean, like I said, you know, knowing these people have been a big help to me coming into this gun world, and now that my wife is really interested in guns, too, it's been a lot harder for me to go to these people about certain issues with guns, or, or prices here or there with stuff, because a lot of times if I want a certain gun, my wife is going to want the certain gun, too. And so they're like, well, we know you, we like you, we don't know your wife at all because she's an introvert and doesn't talk to people. Just kidding. They just don't know her, you know. And uh, and so they'll be like, well, we'll give you this good deal if it's for you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, technically what's mine is hers, so. <laughs> but see, we can, normally I can get you the deals. It's just most people realize now that um, the people that we know, they know you're my son. And so, whatever deal I can get, I can normally get it for you. It just depends yeah. if you have the finances at that moment to do it. Yeah, because there are a lot of times, you know, I pay a lot in bills, and so... Well, who does Sometimes I don't, you know, you know it's yeah. Like, you it's know, just it's life. Like I've been... Like, my whole... Everything... My whole life has kind of went... Yeah, right now. Yeah. It's kind of ift. Well, I mean, you know, it's like... I'm living in an RV, which is awesome. It's weird, but it's awesome. Uh, and... Yeah! Moving so from, far, he keeps the RV cleaner than he did his house. <laughs> he ain't vacuum, though. I... Yeah, I Anyhow, so sorry. I want to get back to some stuff. Um, let's let's go back to some ammo. Here. Okay. So they've got 22 LR, and then they've got this 17 HMR round. 17 HMR has been so difficult for me to find, and I always thought that 17 HMR was around the price of 22 LR. No, it's not. I got 325 rounds of uh, 22 LR at Walmart for like. 20 bucks. When? Uh, just recently. Oh, okay. That's a good price. 
And then they had 200 rounds of 17 HMR there for $62. Yeah. And everybody was always like, when I bought the 17 HMR for my wife, they were like, oh, yeah, it's a great gun. You know, ammo's not that bad. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, that'll be fun. It's kind of like a 22 on crack. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's a lot more expensive. 200 rounds for $62. Right. Wow. Yeah, but well, that's also right now. Back when, but that was Walmart's price, right? Walmart hasn't really been jacking prices up. No, but they're not getting it either. True. But they may have the twenty-two, but try to find seventeen HMR. I mean, I know a couple places who has it right now, but it's like, I think it's like twenty bucks for fifty. Yeah. And, um, it's just kind of crazy, you know? I mean, ammo prices right now are kind of everywhere. You can still find good deals on a lot of ammo. You just have to be patient and look. Utah Gun Exchange, if you haven't looked on there, sometimes there are awesome deals on there. Because people, some people are like, you know, I just got into this instead of this, and I don't want this anymore. Practically giving it away. So definitely look a lot on Utah Gun Exchange. Uh, there's some good stuff there. There's parts there for all sorts of guns. And, uh... You can start reloading. Yeah, which actually I'm going to get into. You can't reload 17 HMR. It's like 22. You can. It just takes a little bit. No, they actually have... They have a reloading kit for 22 long rifles. It's... That's cost-effective? I didn't say it was cost-effective. Okay, I that's said, the point of reloading half the right. time is cost-effectiveness. But it's... no. Well, but it's something that you can do. Yes. So, is it cost-effective? Uh, if you can't find it, then yes. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, does it take a while? Well, yeah, because you have to put... Uh, the sensitive primer compound on the <laughs> where you're going to um, impact it with the, the hammer. So it's an impact explosive, basically. And you have to use a dropper and put it in there after you flatten out the end. So there's a lot more steps, but you can do it. Yeah, I don't think I'd recommend that, but I mean, I guess if you had to, okay, but... You know, but to, a lot right, of people, but there's tons of companies who actually sell the 22 LR reloading components. It's probably going to cost you more than a box. No, it's not that bad. I mean, with with me getting into bigger shells now, like 308, I'm going to be getting into reloading. Yes. Well, good luck. I mean, there are ways to find the stuff. Yes. It's expensive and hard. It's really expensive. The hardest thing to find right now is brass, bullets. Well, good thing I have my own brass. Okay. Bullets, uh, powder, and primers. The powder and primers are going to be the biggest issue. And bullets. Bullets. I can buy a 
the cast tomorrow and make my own. No, you can't. You can. You you don't want to shoot lead bullets through a rifle. Why? It's a bolt action rifle. It's not going to gum anything up really more than necessary. It's still going to take down the animal. It's still going to do what I want it to do. It, it's gonna, not going to have issues cycling unless it's super, super dirty, which lead does make things super, super dirty. It's not that. That's not, that's not what you have to worry about with lead. You actually have to lower... You actually... The pressures that a rifle, 308 rifle, is running, you're not going to have any stabilization of the lead bullet. That that's what rifling's for. Yes, but lead can only... Why do you think that... Have you ever seen a lead rifle round? No. They're always coated in a copper. They're always copper coated. Always. They have... No, they are... Jackson, if you have... Let me know. Because I've looked. They have the old 3030, but that's not a 308. 3030 is running the same pressures as, um, especially the old, uh. <laughs> <laughs> what, the, what the hell are you doing, dude? Why are you making faces? You're making me cup up my rock star. Just being a goober. Oh, alright. Anyhow, so. <laughs> in case you guys didn't know, He's a I'll randomly make faces at James during the podcasts. <laughs> Usually I pause it when he starts laughing so you guys don't hear it, but yeah, I, I forgot to this time. Oh, yeah, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, okay, are we done, I guess? No. Um. But yeah. But yeah, I actually enjoy. I enjoy the thought of reloading. I do. And yeah, it's it's a good thing to do. Um, so, what do you like more on a, on the on any rifle? Do you like lever actions or do you like semi-autos? What do you like? So I, I like Why? bolt and lever actions and single shots the most. Well, lever action, that's that's a repeater. Yeah. I so like those. I consider that kind of a slow semi-auto. Cause you can you can rack the on a lever, you can go almost as fast as a semi-auto. Same with a bolt action, but But yeah, I like bolt actions and single shots more than semi-autos in my opinion. Okay, why? Well, let's look at the forensic side of it first. First of all, it's going to force you to com to repeatedly re-aim your gun. Which is going to force you to have to re-aim, re-hit that same spot that you're trying to hit. So, in my opinion, it makes you a better shot. Now, secondly, I, I enjoy racking back that bolt multiple times, you know, each shot. It's just like a satisfaction feel to it. 
than just hitting a trigger 20, 30 times and then being done. I mean, I, I do like semi-automatics. I, I like them a lot. I do. I just, I don't get the satisfaction of like, you know, <laughs> for instance, my, my younger brother Tannis, he goes shooting with us a lot. He shot my 20 gauge the other day out at Pelican's Point. When he broke it open, pulled out the shell, he giggled. He goes, <laughs> smoke, because <laughs> you can see the smoke coming out of it. It's a satisfaction part of breaking that shotgun open and putting in a, a, a new casing. Or watching the, the, the shell eject, you know? My, my shotgun, it doesn't eject it. You have to pull it out. But, I mean, or like Denise's Break Action 17 HMR. That ejects the shell, and that is awesome to watch it fly. Okay. You know, so it's just... It's more of a satisfaction part to me because a lot of shooters, they want to have fun with their guns. Well, semi-automatics and fully automatics, yeah, they're great. They're fun. I love them. I like shooting them. But they don't quite give me that satisfaction that a single shot will. Like, I mean, I think I could get the same amount of satisfaction out of a muzzle loader. One shot from a muzzleloader is like good 30 rounds from an AR. Okay. Now, anybody who knows me knows that I am an AR fanboy, okay? Love ARs. I do. like their versatility. I like how the, you could do everything with them, pretty much. But anybody who really, really knows me knows that I like single shots, break actions, bolt actions, lever actions. I've never shot a muzzleloader, but I'm waiting to. I have. Well, goody, goody gumdrops for you. I even carried one. <laughs> you did for a while, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> I remember that. Yep, I had. And I used it as my nightstand gun. Wasn't it a revolver? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only. They don't have a. Well, they, they have single shot. This was a six. Six shot. 44 cal. Uh, cap and ball pistol and I carried it I didn't have anything else and I used it as my nightstand gun you also carried it too yep I did you know what's funny is that now my wife I told her one day that I wanted a muzzle loader yeah. and she was like oh I've always wanted an old school muzzle loader and I was like oh cool you know thinking that she always wanted to like shoot one or something like that, you know, yeah. like normal gun owners. No, she wanted one to put above, like, a mantle one day as decoration. And I was like, that's fine, I guess, but, uh... Well, if you're gonna are we going to shoot it? Yeah. Well, if you're going to do it, have it loaded. Well, what? you know. Okay, first of all, I have plenty of other guns I can have loaded laying around my house. That can I... Yeah, but who's going to think that that muzzleloader's loaded? Nobody. And if they break in, you're going to go, Yeah, Oh, he's gonna hurt me! Yeah, and then the Boom. gun's fouled and I end up getting shot instead. No. You keep it clean, my friend. Anywho. Bad guy breaks in. Hang on! I need a minute and 47 <laughs> seconds to load this. And then another three minutes to shoot you with it. <laughs> what? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, powder! Ram! Ball! I can't find my ball! <laughs> uh, they should be in your pants. <laughs> Anyhow.
Um, did you hear what I did? Yes, said? I did. <laughs> <laughs> this is PG-13. It's I... supposed to be G. We're far from G. What am I talking about? I mean, you... you We're do... R, man. No. I won't let you swear. And I'm like, always watch your language. And you're like, oh, shish kebab. <laughs> That's fair. Anyhow. But, uh... You know, and she wants to keep it above the mantle, and I was like, well, that's all fine and well, but, uh, you know, are we going to shoot it? And she was like, yeah, we're going to shoot it, duh. And I was like, okay, good, because a gun's meant to be shot. And if we own it, just to put it on the wall, then are we really real gun owners, or are we just, like, pretend gun owners? But anyhow, so, she, uh, she said that we would shoot him, so I was like, okay, we can get one then. And I think that muzzle loaders would be fun to get into, though I'm scared to. Why? Because there's a lot of extra things that come with a muzzle loader, such as you have to measure out your powder. If you have too much powder, too big of a bang. You know, you have to have the patches. You gotta have the lead balls. You gotta have, you know. Well, of course you have to have the cojones to shoot the dead gun thing. Well, the biggest part is like if it doesn't go off, and I've pulled that trigger. Yeah. Everything is how it's supposed to be but it doesn't go off I don't know what to do then how many people do you know that know this stuff I, I know one you Okay. Glenn knows a lot he would be able to tell you what to do oh yeah I'm in the middle of nowhere let me call Glenn why yeah of course I don't even have Glenn's number man you could have asked me anyway where are you Sorry. Anyhow, so I, I do think it'd be cool to have like a cap and ball revolver, you know, muzzle loader. But I mean, even before you go out, take it to Glenn and say, okay, what happens if it doesn't shoot? Well, you put a new cap on it and fire it. If that doesn't happen, if that still doesn't make it go off, you take a, uh, you get a nip, it's called a nipple wrench. You take the nipple off, and then you can, um, or you can, and you used compressed air, you have to get it home, yeah. use compressed air, and funk, and it'll, or a, uh, or a thin rod, after you take the nipple wrench off, and pop. Yeah. So, but most of the time, the only reason why that wouldn't happen is if your barrel is coated in oil and it uh, soaks up the, or there's two, or there's water in the barrel. Right. So I mean, you know, you just make sure it's completely dry. You run a patch through it, and you know, you clean out the little nipple and the primer pocket and everything. It's like it's basically you do the same thing you would. Reloading a round of cart of ammo from a case, you because that's what we but that's basically what you're doing. Treat the whole thing as if you're reloading um, a single case of ammo. Right. Make sure everything's cleaned and everything, and then go from there. So understandable. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm really thinking about getting into some six shooter 
bong cap revolvers too. We'll see what the wife says about that. I don't know if I can convince her that those are enough fun to buy. I'm sure I can. Yeah. I think they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. It's just right now the issue is trying to find primers. I mean, you can make them. I know how to make them. You can make the primers. Yeah. Um, out of, uh, you can use, you know, the old uh, cap guns that take the round caps? Uh-huh, yep. Um, you can use those. Or what's better is if you can get the roll caps. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. The old paper roll caps? Yep. Use those. And you can make a primer out of that. And some, some of those, the plastic, I don't know if the plastic would go off hitting and being hit by the hammer from the gun. It might, should. But, you know, it might melt. It would melt and then you'd have plastic goo on the end of your nipple. So you might not want to do that, but, you know, you can, you can get the primers and all that stuff. It's, you know, it's just expensive right now, but I would rather have that than, you know, if I didn't have anything, I'd go find an old Captain Ball revolver. On another good point to him um, is that the gun itself is usually a little bit cheaper. Here's the thing. I found a muzzleloader kit in Sportsman's for under three hundred dollars for a muzzleloader rifle. That's the whole kit. Right. You can get the muzzleloader. Um, if you sometimes you can find the kits for the um, black powder uh, revolvers, the cap and ball revolvers. You, sometimes you can find those. Um, I mean, but, I found a. Uh, Cap and ball revolver one time at Davidson Defense for under two hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, but you used to be able to find a regular semi-auto, brand new, for two hundred dollars in a nine millimeter or a three eighty. Yeah. So you can't it, really anymore. But no, they're over three now. Right, and so you could probably still find a semi or a uh, cap and ball revolver for around two and I would rather do you know like I said that's something that you could do and it wouldn't be you know but if I didn't have any any gun that would be something that I would rather have and you know for people who don't like you know guns or whatever that's one, I would think that that would be actually something to get them started in. Yes, it's, it's more of a learning curve. There's a little harder to understand it. But there's a lot of people that that's all they shoot is black powder revolvers and black oh, powder, yeah. you know. Because they love it. They love it. And it's actually, and, you know, there's people that actually use those as their primary defense, you know. And... I've had a lot of people, I've had this argument. They're like, why would you use that? I'm like, that's not going to hurt anybody. I'm like, do you know how many people have lost their lives to a cap and ball revolver? Oh, plenty. Probably over a million. 
at least. Because what did they use in the Civil War? Cap and ball revolvers. What did they use before that? Muzzle loaders. <laughs> you know, well, and even in the Old West, they had cap and ball revolvers. Mm-hmm. In the 18, I believe it started 1830s, I think. Yeah. Uh, Colt was the first one. Um, and they, you know, so it's like the cap and ball revolver's been around for a long time. And even before that, they had the single shots. Thousands of people died because they got shot by a by a lead hunk of lead. You know, it's almost a fifty cal hunk of lead going into you. Yeah, you might not survive that. Well, and I personally think that uh, let's say you're a younger shooter. Okay, now when I was younger, you know, sixteen, maybe even a little bit younger. That's not young, but okay. I was trying to get into the shooter world. The problem I had was my mom, she didn't let guns in the house. She didn't like the idea of guns. I couldn't legally buy guns. She still doesn't like the idea of guns in her house. Yeah, that's true. Um, and she has her reasons for it that I don't really argue with. I, I have before. But eventually you just learn to let it go. They're going to do what they're going to do, you know. Um, but I was a younger shooter trying to get into the shooting world. And for a while, when I was like 16, 17, I was starting to think about cap and ball revolvers. Because I could legally purchase that at 16. You can legally purchase a muzzleloader at 16. You can purchase, I think, all the components to buy the to to shoot them at sixteen. I think. Well, no, most of them, not all. Th- of them. Yeah, yeah, you have to be eighteen to purchase the powder. Yeah. Um. But I mean, for a while, that's what I was thinking about doing, and then I ended up waiting until I turned. Well, I ended up getting a lower built from James actually one year for Christmas, I think. And then I think one year for my birthday or Christmas or something, he bought me an upper. I bought you the, well, no, for Christmas, for Christmas, I bought you the whole gun. Well, no, because I already had the lower piece, and then you took that. I took it, but, and then, and then but, you it was it just, but it was a stripped lower. Yeah, so it was, it was nothing. So, basically, I went, and I took that, and I held on to it, and I just went and bought you another uh, full gun. Yep, I remember that, and I was, I was so happy... And then me, in my younger years, I was really dumb with a lot of things, guns being included to where I ended up, you know, selling them or losing them or whatever. Haunting it. Yeah. Um, But you know what? That's the great thing about life, I think, is that you live and you learn hard ways sometimes. So here's a question for you. This is off topic, but I think this is a good question. If you, if you had to do it over again, do you think it is a good idea for people to actually pawn their firearms? Here's the thing. Uh, if you're a person like me, I have a very hard time with pawning things because, I, in a sense, I forget about them. And if you're always kind of a little tight on cash, you know, maybe... Maybe you make an okay amount of money for your age, or maybe you just don't. 
For a long time I didn't make much of anything and I couldn't hold the job very well. It's not a great idea to pawn your firearm to a pawn shop. From And I won't do it now. After my last one I learned. So now what I do is I find a family member, like my grandpa for say, I can go to him with a gun and say, hey, you know, I need money for this, something came up. And my grandpa's the kind of guy that's like, whatever, get it back to me when you can, and he'll just hold on to it. So technically I never lose that gun with him, because that's just how he is. Now, pawning firearms is how a lot of people end up getting a hold of great deals on firearms. Because people pawn or sell them at a pawn shop and lose them or you know so in my opinion if you are smart with money then it's not going to be the end of the world as long as you keep up on it you know the guys at your pawn shop well they'll work with you um, if you're like me and you, you kinda of forget about things like that I wouldn't I wouldn't even suggest it I wouldn't even try it even if one day you look up and you're like 18 new to the everything and you find yourself short on cash don't go pawn it go find a family member say hey look just hold on to this for some collateral until I can get it back to you that would be an even smarter idea um, but would I do it all over again I think I would if I if I had to go back there's a lot of things I wouldn't change because that, in a sense, made me who I am now. I am a lot smarter with how I do things now because of some of the heartache from it. From dumb things. And it's helped motivate me to do things like hold down jobs. Or to go to work every day and not call in sick. Now, I've called in sick twice to the job I work now, and I haven't been there very long. But... It's, it's a very abusive to your body job, you know. When you don't sleep at night because you wake up and your arms are in pain, or you wake up in the morning and you can't even move your hand, you know. In my opinion, sometimes you need you need a day to kind of rejuvenate yourself. <laughs> and uh, you know, I just you know it, you, you gain knowledge from every bad thing that you do, every good thing that you do. So I think I'd do it all over again. There are definitely some things that I wish I wouldn't have pawned. You know, some favorite things of mine. But and do I feel do I feel bad about losing some of it? Yeah, I wish I hadn't. But again, it just made me realize how much certain things mean to people and how to change. What about you? What do you think about pawning guns? Well, hmm. um, and would you do it all over again? I Well, okay, I don't know how to explain this, but 
when I was young, um, I had, there were times when I was able to buy, uh, guns for like a hundred bucks or $200. I'd save my money and I'd be able to buy something that I wanted. But then this was before I was actually, I actually had food and everything else. Um, but then all of a sudden I'd look in my cupboard and I realized I hadn't eaten for like three days. Like going, maybe that's why I don't feel very good. And I, I didn't have friends where I could loan, where I could get food or I didn't even have a car at that time. So that was one of the only ways where I was actually able to to eat was I was able to pawn pawn the items that I was able to get because I was finding a lot of this stuff at like <clears throat> some old gun shows or I knew um, a couple places some thrift stores and stuff where I was able to get some really cool stuff and I wanted to hold on to it but when you're hungry that cognitive part of your brain that goes hey hold on to this it doesn't work you're thinking about food not well I feel like there are definitely times where it's okay to do things like pawn a gun or right whatever and especially I mean that kind of goes into my part of you know you learning things hard ways you know um, you know and so yes I you know and so I always have and even now I have people going oh you should never get a hold get rid of your guns my my view on that is a gun is a bank account does that mean that I don't want to get rid of them? I don't. I would do anything I could, but I have that view that if I need it, that's why I have it. So that I can, you know, if I needed to, let's say one of the dogs got ran over like he did. Yeah. What did I have to do? I had to go and pawn a gun because it was going to be $400 to have him look at. And he was like, oh, we had him looked at and we were jumping up and down and they were like, no broken bone. Woohoo! Why is he whimpering like a baby? I don't know. And then he shrugged it off as like, but, you know, I was able to afford it because I could do, I was able to pawn something and I was able to pay it back. So, I mean... Yes, I think that in certain... And, and that goes into my, you know, like with me, it's different because I'll forget about it, in a sense. Yeah, I don't forget about it because I'm like... When I pawn something, I'm like... Especially a gun, it's almost like... Part of me is a... It's like... Bye-bye, gun! I, I can't look at it. I can't see it. I can't even smell it or touch it. Yeah, I smell my guns. I'm weird. 
I think he just likes the smell of hops. Yeah, hey. Hops, people. You need to make a cologne. I would wear it. <laughs> I'm sure lots of us would. I like the smell. But, you know, I think it's... I think that it's a good idea. It's It all depends. Some people would never do it. But then there's some people that have never been in a situation where... They're in dire straits. Yeah, it's true. Or they don't know how to. That's the thing. You know, and maybe we should go into that one of these. Not tonight, but we should actually explain actually how to. You know, we know a couple people. We could probably have a conversation with one of the pawn shop people I know. And they might be able to explain actually how that works. Yeah. Because I don't know if they're... You know, and we're not trying to get people to actually do it because, no, you have to know if you can or not. It's just, I know there's a lot of people that are afraid of how to do that because they're like, or they think of pawn shops as these seedy shops who are like money hungry and all like, you know, oh, you're going to get something that's stolen or broken or whatever. And it's like... No, most of all the shops I know of, no, you're not going to find anything that's stolen because it's, it actually goes through the FBI and police database and it's held onto for like 15 days, has to. So it's against the law and if, and if the police come and say, okay, it's stolen, they get it back. And the person that it's stolen from, they don't have to pay whatever the pawn shop uh, paid for it. It's they're out of the money. Yep. So it's. But they also have insurance to cover stuff like that. Uh, most of them don't. It's not. They don't normally. Insurance doesn't normally cover stuff like that. Mm. They're just out. Because it's not. Unless it's like you know fifteen thousand dollars or something way. Ex Dream. But most pawn shops aren't going to loan you that anyway. That's why it's hard to get a loan close to the value of what it's worth. Yep. Because they want to make sure that if they, you know, even though they, that's why it's like, because they want to make sure that it's not stolen and they can resell it, that's fine. But if it happened to be stolen, then they're out of the money. And they can't go back on anybody to find out, hey, this was stolen. Because, let's say the person they got it from, they know them, and they're like, dude, this was stolen. What? I just got it from... You know, and it happens. They're like, well, I just bought it online. Or I got it from... on another place. It's like, yeah, this one's stolen. Like, So, you know, it's... That's why I don't like doing a lot of gun, buying guns online from, like, the gun Utah Gun Exchange. I'm not saying that all, I'm not saying that, that stuff's stolen. I'm not. But you don't know. Yeah, that's true. And uh, we would love to talk with you more tonight, guys. But unfortunately, we are out of time. So catch us next time where we talk about, uh, well, whatever we talk about. We're kind of sporadic. We're random. 
Maybe we should talk about how to go about doing a loan. Yeah, maybe. I think that would be a good idea. Yeah. So, Anyhow, uh, God bless everybody, and y'all have a wonderful night. And you have a good night, guys. God bless you.